Microphone check, two, one, two. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to It's the Bearded Man podcast with your favorite, the world's favorite bearded man. They just don't know it yet. Bay. Today on the podcast, Ryan Westberg. How you doing, brother? Amazing. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's, you don't have to say thank you. It's an absolute pleasure to be here today, brother. It's a beautiful Venice spot you got here. Have you been here for how long now? A little over a year. A little over a year. Feel so, like does it feel like home yet? Because I know sometimes that first six, eight months you're still trying to put things together and doesn't really feel like a true home. But do you feel like this is a good home now? Absolutely, it's been incredible. Things have been built here, and that was the whole reason we moved in. Totally. And you were in Santa Monica before here. Yeah. Do you miss Santa Monica at all, or is this feel? Like uh, the right I miss spot? parts of Santa Monica. Yeah. Like Palisades Park was pretty incredible <laughs> place. Come on, that's beautiful <laughs> out there. But Venice is more community based in Venice. Yeah. I, uh, every time I'm in this neck of the woods, which literally feels like every weekend for the last six weekends, I'm just like, you just gotta, you gotta move here now. Like I got closer <laughs> with the move to Hawthorne, which has been great. That It's just a beautiful place that we have. Um, but now every time that I'm in Venice and now that the fact that I'm here every weekend for the most, I'm like, this is like the next step. You, you, you just gotta go to Venice cause everybody I feel like is either here Marina Del Rey, Santa Monica, just this whole true Upper West Side is beautiful. Absolutely. And then pre-COVID, like, you, you live here, so you walk out the door and you just run into people. Yeah. Which is great. But yeah, I mean, literally, that's the best way to meet people and stay in contact with people. I mean, you're right off Abikini, so you can go stroll around, <laughs> go go to Rooster Fish, cause some trouble when COVID's not happening, but this is definitely there a good spot. Go. And I see you on Sunday mornings taking the, the ritual walk on the beach, which every is probably- day, Every Sunday. That's probably a good place to decompress and get some space. A hundred percent. Ryan, it's uh, it's been two years since that last podcast we did. Crazy. It actually came out in October of 2018. I looked it up before I came through today. Two years ago. Um. When I think about me personally, how much I've changed in two years and where who I and where I was with my life then, it's unbelievable how much has changed since. Very big change for you. Very big change for you. And um <laughs> yeah, I don't I I didn't even know how to really phrase this first way this first question and because I know this like means so much to you, but the last podcast we had, you were with Serengeti. And at that time, how how many years had you been in 2018 with Serengeti? That would have been uh, about seven years. So seven years. Yeah, or six and change. So fast forward two years, that chapter has closed. A lot of amazing things have happened since and are continuing to grow. But, and I know some of, some of the story, but I, I kind of want to hear from you and to have it recorded in a time capsule of your life. How was it that from that moment to now where we are today, that chapter closed and now you're here with fan of a fan and everything else that you have going on? Yeah, I mean, that was a very pivotal interview as I've told you a million times. <laughs> and I'm not here uh, to toot my own yeah, heart, but no, I, no. I think I, we've talked about this story so many times that I think there's so many lessons and- No, it was I'll very transformative. Um, I'd given many, many interviews with Serengeti and talking about Serengeti and talking to you just seemed like another one, but it was obviously you did a great job and it was super fun. Thank you. Um, Thank you. But your last question was, what's your purpose? Yeah. And I had felt like I always had an answer for something like that um, when it came to Serengeti. And I always felt very, very confident saying it. Um, but something happened when you asked me that and I froze. And for the first time in seven years, and seven years of 
tons and tons of interviews, I froze and I didn't know what to say. Mm. And I, I can't even remember how I responded. I probably just said something, whatever came to my mind first. But uh, that entire ride home, uh, I was thinking like, what the hell just happened? Mm. Uh, I, you, you always know that answer. You always are so confident in the, those interviews. Um, why, what, what just changed? And that caused me to, I'd already been kind of reassessing my situation with Serengeti and kind of like where my life was going and like how my priorities had changed and kind of like what my uh, definition of success was. Mm. And I was already reevaluating that, but that when, uh, I paused on that question, that's when it became like very, very real that like my head, I I was just in a different place Mm. and I needed to really, really think about like what this next chapter was going to be and what this next step was going to be to ultimately phase out of Serengeti. What were some of like the, the moments or are there any specific things that you can think of that were causing you before we had that conversation before we did the podcast that you were starting to trigger, like maybe this isn't the right direction for me anymore. Was there anything specific or was it just kind of evolving? Was, yeah. Uh, it really went down to just thinking about like that last seven years um, I defined what success meant to me when I was 20 years old mm-hmm. and I was waking up every morning, uh, knowing that like the day was mine, I could do whatever I wanted traveling the world and kind of making sure, uh, I was just seeing as much as I possibly could see, um, in like whatever short period of time. Uh, and I felt like I lived that for seven years, but then when I was 27, 28, it was felt like I had just like lifted my head up and I was like, Oh my gosh, what just happened? Mm. I feel like another seven years could go by and I'm doing this. I don't think this is what I want to be doing every day anymore. So I think my priorities have changed like tremendously. So to you success early on was being the ability to travel the world and kind of live by your own terms and live on your own schedule while still trying to build the business. Exactly. Yeah. And what was that when this was happening, what did you think your next definition of success was looking like? Well, I just met, um, my now like business partners, like Zach and the yes theory guys, and, uh, was feeling more of like a community, especially on the West side. And mm. I didn't, I no longer wanted to be this like nomad that was always just bouncing around living this to a lot of people, like perfect life. Like I'm in Bali every week, I'm in Zimbabwe <laughs> the next, like I'm doing a crazy, crazy lifestyle and I have no regrets on it, but that, uh, that was not like what I was into. I like loved like just having long dinners and being around like super inspiring people and just really like motivated people mm. rather than, and people that are really like trying to change the world um, versus my previous seven years, I felt like I literally lived on an island. I was running this company. I had a co-founder, but like we weren't together most of the year. Mm. Um, and I was traveling a ton solo and I've had friends come sometimes, but I was definitely like by myself a lot of those years. And it was, it was incredibly transformative. And again, I have no regrets on it, but that's not how I wanted to live my next seven years or the next chapter. Yeah. I think there's so many people that either are going to listen to this and think, yeah, traveling the world, that's gotta be the dream. I, I mean, literally, if you ask anybody, majority of people, I feel like if you ask them, if you could do anything today, what would you do? Travel the world. That's like the number one cliche answer. I just want to travel Always. the world. But I don't think people realize what that means and what sacrifices are, are, are you have to take in order to travel the world. And you're not doing this with 30 of your best friends, especially you when you were yeah. doing this. I know it was such a heavy and I loved 
that aspect of Serengeti where it's like you were going out finding fabrics and you guys were incorporating to the, the clothing and it was like such a bigger meeting than just wearing a piece of clothing like you had it oh yeah there was purpose behind every over. trip which made made it like even last so long and be able to travel so much without feeling like so empty like it, it we we did an, so much incredible work around the world yeah um but it, it was exhausting and when you and you just said it like there's significant sacrifice that goes into like living that nomad lifestyle. And a lot of it comes down to like relationship type things. Did you get anxious when you were actually in LA? Cause I know you were, you had a spot in LA for when you were in town, even though most of the time you were traveling the world, did you ever feel anxious or lost when you were actually sitting still here and trying to like, did you even have really community? Was there uh, it depends. I had like different phases of LA cause mm. I had that Santa Monica spot, which was cause I was trying to like slowly phase into like having more, uh, more roots. Yeah. Um, but I mean, before that I literally lived out of a suitcase for multiple years <laughs> and that's when it would be, uh, it was fun cause a different period of life. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't know how to answer it completely. <laughs> it probably still feels so yeah. crazy to you because, I mean, you were literally on the road all the time. I yeah. mean, you traveled 80-plus countries and I don't know how many years that was, but to most people, like, I don't even, I, I would love to know what the average, um, even just U.S.-based, what's the average amount of countries somebody will see in a lifetime? It's probably just a handful. Like Maybe, maybe, maybe literally three, one hand. Yeah. Literally one hand. Yeah. You're, and you're over here with 80-plus. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Um well, what's, what's really, it's, it's so interesting to me is that we have this conversation and I, like the, that honestly, uh, your example is probably one of the most incredible proud moments I could have as, as for that project. Because for me, from the jump purpose of the youth, not only was about like me trying to figure out my story, but what I cared so much was about the guest, and I wanted to make sure that. I did my due diligence and I researched and I made sure that I didn't waste this person's time. Ultimately, if I could have the guest have an incredible experience, I didn't wor I didn't necessarily, I wanted the project to grow. I wanted to have hundreds of thousands of views and plays, but I knew that no matter what, as long as the guest had an experience that they'll forever cherish and remember, that's all I could, that's literally like what I'm shooting for. Everything else is just a bonus. So the fact that a conversation that we had ends up triggering a moment and then obviously there was a lot of other things that built up too it wasn't just we had the conversation don't know what my purpose is now it's time to like change i just think it's like so powerful to know that this idea this project that i was just doing and really trying to figure my out my own shit really ended up helping you or whoever else was on the project so it, it it's like a not a pat on the back but it, it feels so much bigger than me i guess is what i'm trying to say yeah, I mean, absolutely. I, I'll always be grateful for that conversation. Yeah, and what's crazy is similarly your new your business partner that you ended up moving on to, Zach, was one of the big important moments conversations that I had. So I have a conversation with you. There's some change. I have a conversation with your new business partner who you've been in business with now, not new anymore. But that ends up being a moment that got me the job with Liquid IV because I had I. It's just, it, it, it blows my mind how we can be so set on a path, but a conversation or there's a moment or there's a podcast we listen to, there's an interview, there's a, 
a person we bump into at a coffee shop, it all can just kind of redirect and then take us down a whole different path, which I think is just like, you just never, you just never know Absolutely. when that moment's going to actually happen. Yeah. And got to say, Zach's uh, very good at having those conversations. And he, Smart man. He, he was definitely pushing me also to uh, take, take this on full time. Yeah, that's incredible. So talk to me about what this, how that transition has been like, like fan of a fan. Um, I feel like you guys are absolutely crushing it. Um, how did that come to life? What was some of the conversations? I think, I think that was already in the background when we yep. did the original podcast. And I think that was something that was just starting up, but now that is a full running business and it's crushing it. So talk to me about some of the inspirations and how did that even come to life? Yeah. Uh, so it's really just the most organic thing of all time, how, how, how the business was born. But, uh, I met the Yes Theory guys probably like six months prior to that mm -hmm. uh, through a mutual friend, walked in their house and uh, they're having a party. And it was really funny, uh, walked in and they knew who I was from Serengeti because uh, Matt Daher from Yes Theory had been following Serengeti forever and he had actually started a like copycat company essentially in really? Canada. <laughs> Come on, Matt, dude, put some respect <laughs> on my man, Ryan. Don't be, yeah, don't be trying so to su super funny, but uh, laugh about it now. But yeah, he told me about that, and uh, I was maybe there for 15 minutes, but we exchanged numbers, and then I started just hanging out with them a little bit more. And so when they started talking, uh, I didn't even know what Yes Theory was when I met them. Um, but then I looked in their content, I was like, oh, this is amazing. Um, and then they they were about to launch uh, Seek Discomfort, and they were telling me about their clothing line they were thinking about doing. I was like, oh, I can help out if you guys need a hand on anything. This is like right up my alley i know how to do all of this um so they brought me in um for kind of like the manufacturing logistics like all the back end stuff that's kind of like my bread and butter mm -hmm. and so we launched seek discomfort together and it was the idea was they get hit up by once they launch seek discomfort they're gonna hit up by all their friends being like hey do, who does your merch who, who helped you with this um so that's how fan of a fan was born mm. so fan of a fan is kind of like the operator of seek discomfort and then now we have about 30 different clients 30 damn that's crazy but yeah it, <laughs> most of most pretty. of that's come in the last like really six to seven months um but yeah so i was still doing at the beginning i was still operating serengeti um as like my main thing and then doing this on just really for fun to help mm -hmm. friends out um but then seek discomfort and yes series growth was just like astronomical and I, i'd never seen anything like it and so then it became an easier decision because I was like, I love working with these people so mm -hmm. much. I believe in their mission. I believe in like the energy they're putting out there. I believe in the content they're putting out there. Um, and it, it just made a lot of sense. And I was like getting that passion back that I was like really searching for. Mm. Um, so the decision was getting easier and easier. Um, the biggest challenge though was Serengeti was such a part of my like, identity totally like, so it was like a decoupling of that which was really really difficult because i'd always been just like this traveling guy that's like in a different country every week and like that was like a part of my persona for all of my 20s so it was like okay detaching from that and like letting go of your ego and all that and yeah starting something new that people again are probably not going to understand and be like why are you leaving the best job ever you get to travel the world and li live this crazy life when it was just not not of interest anymore. Wow, it's crazy though how there's already this mental conversation you're having with yourself and maybe with some close friends of like, yeah. this isn't feeling like the right thing and then slowly but surely, this next incredible chapter, which you, it, it sounded like just literally a pure 
helping out a friend like yeah you guys are trying to you know start some clothing like i can give you some advice and show you some pointers and then turns into the complete new chapter of what you're doing yeah i mean it was the most organic thing and it was just like just wanted to help as a friend and uh so about a year it'd be like yeah around seek discomforts like first year Mm. um that's when i like was officially leave departing serengeti and it was like a five six month phase out um because it was obviously a huge deal for serengeti which is still thriving to this day but me uh me leaving was a a big deal for my co-founder obviously yeah well i think what's amazing too is that you 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 jump into this next chapter but you're able it's not like you left and then you went to a completely different world or industry in the sense of like you're able to take your skills and lessons that you have learned through Serengeti and apply it to a new opportunity. Were there any certain lessons or things you were telling yourself when starting, when then Fan of a Fan was kind of being born? Because you have, you're pulling from all this previous experience, like were there anything that you were like rem- kind of telling yourself, like I need to remember to do this, this, and this, you had learned through, you know, oh, through Serengeti? I mean- there are very intentional things and there's just so many like subliminal things. But, mm. uh, yeah, I mean, I, Serengeti had grown astronomically also, like it was a similar thing to seek discomfort, but that also brought a lot of growing pains and all these things that I'd kind of seen before. Um, so it was nice not being like as phased by certain things, especially in like supply chain changes and mm. all that. Um, I was much more like prepared this time. Uh, also when it came to hiring, Serengeti, like at our peak, we had like 30 employees, but it was like, I hated everything about it. Having that many employees, it was just like a disaster. So hiring like slow, but being very, very strategic with your hires. Mm. Um, so that was like a lesson I brought in. Cause at first we were like, okay, we're, we're making money. Like let's hire people, hire, hire people. I'm like, no, like slow down. Yeah. Let's, let's take this slow. We, 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 we can do this the right way. Well, I feel like it, it makes sense, right? When when money's coming in, there's a lot of things moving, a lot of pieces moving. It would Most people would think, yeah, just hire a bunch of people and get them in. But yeah. if you're not taking the time to make sure this is the right fit, to make sure the, like the job title is, or not title, I don't want to put this person in a box, but you know exactly the value that they're going to be providing, then it gets to the point where I can't even imagine having 30 people reporting to you guys and you're like, this is I like... Be, yeah, it was also, I was like 24 when that was happening. So it was just a totally different, I was just an, a different person and totally. I couldn't handle it really. How, how many is fan of a fan at right now? Um, we're now at eight full time. Wow. And then the team itself is back probably about 12. How's that feel? Non-founders included. Uh, it's awesome. It, yeah. it, I feel so different about this team. Like I feel amazing. Everyone feels like such a great fit culturally and they bring so much value and I, I just feel like really, really strongly about this team. I feel like in the even even given a pandemic right now, I've been keep, I, I always keep an eye on, on anybody <laughs> that's been on the pot purpose in the either. I always keep yeah. an eye, I keep my I keep a running tab on how all these past guests are doing, but I feel like even in the last two months you've been a lot of the hires have been coming in which is incredible given a pandemic and a lot of businesses are being hurt and to see somebody like you guys like be able to continue to grow is pretty amazing yeah i mean it was it's been scary i'm still like very skeptical about everything because there's just so much unknown but i mean in march i had like a breakdown like oh my gosh we're losing everything like a lot of our brands were really just not their sales just dropped so in incredibly low 
Mm. And I was like, okay, I have to go through every single expense. I got to figure this out. I got to, I like just brought on, uh, one of my assistants and like, it was like, uh, are we going to be able to like even keep her around? Uh, but then April came around and it was like the biggest month ever. And then June, the biggest month ever. And then we're, we have like an influx of clients, like inbound clients. Um, so we were like proceeding with caution, but now it's like, okay, I think the shift to e-commerce off of, uh, since there's been no retail, people still need to spend money. It just mm-hmm. kind of like sped up the process of like everyone switching to e-commerce. Well, not everyone, but just like the percent of consumer spend. And what's, I, I loved, I, I, I tuned into Zach did that. He did a live stream with, who was this a couple weeks ago? Uh, YouTube was it? A, was it a YouTube? Oh, uh, yeah, one of the uh, like VidCon. Yeah, VidCon. Yeah. It was great. Yeah. I, obviously, I'm clearly not in the merch business, and I'm not even in. Well, let me just say this: I'm not anywhere in that world of what the presentation was about. But I was like, I want to learn more, and I loved it. And I, in what I, one of the biggest takeaways for me, and I kind of already knew this for the way that you guys approached it was: this isn't just Phantom Fan is not just yeah, we're here to make merch. For you we're here to help you build a brand so what has your guys been approach to seek discomfort or like how are you able to continue to grow some of the, like your clients and it, this is more than just selling merch like it's very intentional behind yeah like our, our whole mantra like our, our slogan is build brands not merch mm. we don't want to work with people that just are slapping their face on a t-shirt like you can make a quick buck doing that but our like our whole thing and our whole pitch and what we're trying to build is like a full brand that hopefully at some point lives outside of this person's, uh, audience mm. and just like their, their relevancy really. Mm. Um, so it was like seek discomfort case study, like seek discomfort is a power, really, really powerful message that can be so much bigger than yes theory's audience, but they have yes theory pushing it, getting it off the ground and projecting it out to the universe to be seen by millions of people. But, if you're wearing a seek discomfort shirt, as I'm sure you've seen, you like mm-hmm. get commented on it because people like they 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 dig the message and totally. they, they 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 associate with it. I was literally wearing the shorts today <laughs> when I was out running around seek discomfort. I lo- it's uh, it it literally is just so the messaging of of at least them specifically is just so on point because I think it can relate to literally anybody, and I think so many of us have uncomfortability with going for the things that we really want in life because it's scary and we think about all the things that could happen for the wrong reasons but when reality we should think about the positive things that could happen by doing the thing and so i think the messaging of itself is just no, literally it's, it's incredible, incredible. i give them so much credit for coming up with that because even at the beginning i was like i i just i i saw the vision but now it just becomes so big and they've, they've really done a great job yeah i mean you and you've been a part of that though, you know, like yeah. they, the, yes, theory is the channel, it's the content, but then it takes people like you who are helping deliver the actual product. And I have a great example of last weekend, I'm in Malibu at this, this freaking cove party. Like it was like in a cove, not COVID, but it was like, it was in a cove and it was like blocked off and it was like, it's like, this is crazy. Anyway, there's a guy wearing a seek discomfort shirt. And my buddy that I was with, he said, oh, Seek Discovery yesterday. And this guy doesn't know directly anyone on the team. I've never seen this guy before. But he was a case study to me of how powerful this message and brand has become 
because he was like, you guys in the Yes Fam? Like he, he's like, yo, I'm in the Yes like Yes Fam like Facebook Love group. It. He's like, yo, we got to meet. He's like exchanging numbers and it was so amazing for me because it was a case study of what Yes Theory you guys have built with their the merch itself is like this guy is a walking light of the seek discomfort and when i see this guy i think he's not the only one oh it's, they it's, are now hundreds of thousands of people around the world that are wearing that merch and that are pushing that message which then is like a domino effect to that one person to 50 of their friends it then becomes this huge momentum of like incredible just like positive go do the thing you've always wanted to do energy i i just it, i i you know i'm on the 63 days of sober so yeah. like i'm seeing this in real time and i'm like actually processing i'm like taking mental notes of it i'm not just like out with mal boozed up <laughs> drinking rose like freaking like not even thinking about it. i'm very like caught up in this moment i and and i'm just like this is more than just one person this is no, it's more There's, than merch. It's 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 a whole thing. Unbelievable. Yeah. Even at the the Yes Live event in uh, October was a big, that was a big moment of like, damn, this is becoming something so much bigger than actual, than just merch itself. Yeah. No, it's incredible. And then uh, the team had brought on Brian Spunt, who's like been a huge part of. He's the CEO, real, right? Yeah. Yeah. He, yeah. He's really uh, take helped take it to the next level. What What was he doing before? Uh, he was at Elwood Clothing. Okay. Like, uh, kind of like very streetwear like oh, okay more fast fashion-y um but elevated streetwear he seems like he knows what he's doing i follow him oh on he's IG. amazing i yeah, see him he's, posting some he's stuff the, like this. he's an incredible guy this guy definitely knows what he's doing definitely yeah no he's been a huge huge asset damn seek would be nowhere close to where it is without him damn that's that's incredible um i know like we were saying earlier like the whole you traveled 80 plus countries and that's clearly not, I mean, now with the pandemic, right? There's nobody's traveling anywhere. I'm very curious as to how you have been feeling about this, this time, this, this COVID time. I think we've seen each other a couple of times, social distancing, they're six feet apart, <laughs> you know, following guidelines and whatnot. But ultimately, how have you felt through this last five or six months? Cause I, I feel like there's, I feel very lucky. I feel very fortunate that I'm, I'm in a position where I financially wasn't hurt. I, my career was still growing and I live with friends. So I have people around me. Uh, I find ways to stay physically fit. Like I feel like I've been able to cope through this pandemic, but I, I know there's a lot of people out there that truthfully, this is not, this has been terrible for many of reasons. So I'm just curious, how has the last five ish, six months been for you personally? Uh, I mean, tons of highs and very very high highs and super really really low lows mm. especially uh as i was alluding to uh march was like brutal mm. like that was i was so scared we were gonna lose every like i just i was like coming on a year of leaving serengeti to go all in on this and i'm like oh my gosh is this all ending mm. um so that that was pretty brutal um but then like the growth has been incredible um, and yeah, very, feel very, very fortunate to be in an industry that, yeah, like our supply chains are an absolute mess now, um, just because of COVID, but we're still able to like operate and make money and sell and, um, very fortunate to be in a hiring position and, 
um, like a lot of the people we just hired are like coming, they were uh, furloughed or Jeez. let go and stuff like that. And I know what the job market is like because I've been actively recruiting. Um, so just feel super, super fortunate to be in the position we're in. Um, but yeah, I mean, personally, yeah, just high highs, high low lows. Yeah. Um, trying to just stay busy, but yeah. it's hard not for things not to feel like Groundhog Day sometimes. <laughs> so got got to mix it up. <laughs> I'm so happy you said that because my roommates literally talk so much shit to me. And they're like, it's literally like Groundhog Day, like Groundhog Day living with you because. I just, I'm very disciplined and I, at least Monday through Friday during the week, I have the same schedule. Like I do this at this time. Like, so they're always talking trash yeah. to me, but I think there's, yeah, I just think there's really just trying to stay busy. I bought the house out in the desert. So that's been a whole project. I know. Um, <laughs> I'm glad you brought that up. Cause that is for sure a talking point today. Yeah. Wonder Ranch. Yep. Talk to me about Coming that. Like, <laughs> like how, uh, yeah, just in general, like what was the inspiration? I know there's more of like a underlying story of like, I think it was something like you wanted to pay tribute for your, or like to, an experience. Yeah, I mean, there's for your- so many uh, reasons why I got it. I'd been going out there for years. It's out in 29 Palms, which is by Joshua Tree, just a little bit further. How far average time from here to? Uh, like two hours and okay. 15 minutes. Okay. Um, but middle of nowhere. Um, and I, I had fallen in love with the place because I would go out there and I would unplug and I'm always like super attached to like my phone and stuff when I'm working and I'm very just like plugged in like I'm getting bombarded with emails all day Um, but that would always be a place where I just like went and unplugged and I think like the energy out there is incredible and most of all it's just quiet Mm. Um, so over the years I'd really fallen in love with it Um, so I'd actually been looking for properties for a while like actively searching and then I found this place you were act- actively um, looking out there or just in... Out there, gotcha. yeah. I, I knew I wanted some Land is cheap and you can actually like get a bunch of land. <laughs> <laughs> out here in LA, it's freaking yeah, not yeah, yeah. cheap. Not, not, a, not a thing. Um, and then growing up, uh, my dad has a couple properties in Connecticut. And so like he, I would always help out with them. He'd hire me to like do the painting and random like stuff to hang drywall and all that. So it was always like a father-son thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the idea was... Uh, get like a fixer upper and I'd work on it with my dad. Um, and I actually, I, so I found the place, I bought it February 20th on my 29th birthday close. And then we all know what happened just shortly after that. Wow. Uh, and unfortunately like I'm from Connecticut, my dad and my dad's 65. So no travel, have him. this property fixer upper and, uh, I <laughs> can't bring my dad out to help. Oh so <laughs> I've been, uh, yeah, I've learned learned a lot in the last six months about construction and all that. So it's been it's been a journey. I know your birthday party here was literally like pretty. I think the second to last event I went to before going off the radar for that you know first eight to ten weeks of the lockdown where nobody was doing anything and you weren't really allowed to do. Yeah, anything. I think everyone kind of calls that the last hurrah. <laughs> it was a lot of people's like last last parties. Oh, it was it was a grand old time for sure. <laughs> um, that's so dope. Like I've seen some of the pictures you've been sharing on Instagram and it yeah. seems like it's, it's definitely getting there to where it needs to be, but yeah, ha- next week. And then the ne- idea next be, week, next yeah, week it's going to be done. The interior is done and then have to work on like the landscaping and stuff. But kind of the idea behind it is just to create like a sanctuary out there, like a just getaway house, um, for, I'm not going to put on Airbnb or anything, but give it to friends, family, clients, employees, anyone can just use it if they just need a place to get out of town. Wow. Um, and then just have it be like a sanctuary, like safe space where if you just need to unplug, it's just, will be like 
well designed, simple, and just in the middle of absolute nowhere. <laughs> Damn. And so you get so that was February. So it's I mean yeah, it's like six months later. It'll be completely. Yeah. And so I didn't get the keys until April. So oh, I'm not okay, okay, as okay, far okay. behind, okay. but I'm still been, far behind. <laughs> you know, if they were on time with the keys and COVID didn't happen, he probably would have been all done. But uh, that's got to be so exciting to kind of get towards the end of it and be completely done and have that thing ready to oh, go. Super, super excited. Wow. Wonder Ranch. How did you name that? Uh, cause it's in, it's in wonder Valley. Oh yeah. So it's not as clever as you might think. <laughs> of course. I didn't really think that one through. That's great. What's, um, this is kind of goes on brand, uh, because obviously working with yes theory a lot, what is something that you have yet to say yes to, but you know, inside you want to say yes to do. There's gotta be something. Hmm. That I want to say yes to. Yeah. Something that you've thought about doing, but you've maybe made up excuses not to do it because the time isn't right or, you know, this or that. What's something that you have? I feel like this year I've been going after a lot of those things. Like I was against kind of like spending money on anything for a long time and I've got the house and then employees I was very skeptical on, but now it's kind of like push and go on that. I'm trying to think of what, what's left. I mean, we're having like a big change. Uh, we're getting our, actually, this is a big one that I I thought was the wrong move for the last two years with Fan of a Fan, but we're going to be getting our own warehouse again, Whoa! which is crazy because did all of our stuff in-house for Serengeti, but that was a huge like uh, headache. Headache, yeah. Mm. And I was like, I, once we got out of the warehouse, I was like, we're never doing this again. Mm. But I'm like, I'm excited to try it, get crack at it again. Wow. And so what is the uh, there's going to be people and I'm, and I'm, this is all new world to me. What is the plus and some of the cons of actually owning your own warehouse? Other um, than, cause obviously costs, you have somebody else if they're owning it. It's or- really control. Uh, mm. I just want to control the entire like process more so that we can provide like a better service to our clients. Um, and also as we grow and we're building, starting to build like in-house brands, I just, we just need a space where we can really, uh, just execute faster and better and more efficiently. So uh, you, I just want to own the process. So when you say warehouse, are you talking as well as producing the actual clothing as well? Yeah. So it'll kind of be vertically integrated. Whoa. Uh, that vertically integrated is kind of like the theme of like the next year or so. Um, so you're going to have literally machines in there pumping away and can yeah, embroider all, the whole nine. Yeah. Everything I kind of want to bring in house cause we're at the scale where it now makes sense. And again, I just want like control. Damn. And Zach is, I'm assuming the warehouse will be in LA. Uh, yeah. So it's going to be in Ontario, but it's a little further out, okay. but that's where, uh, operated Serengeti also. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Back to the same yeah. roots, dude. Yeah. Wow. That's pretty massive. Yeah. That's definitely that. That's a yes right there. Wow. <laughs> A freaking And warehouse. of course, Amar has been one of the members of yesterday. He's been pushing for a warehouse for a long time, and I've always just shot him down. Yeah. But he always ends up winning in some way, I feel like. Yeah, <laughs> I mean. Because he's a true visionary for sure. If it, I mean, that's a huge step because then it's like if you get the first warehouse in, then at some point maybe there's a second, then there's a warehouse in other countries, and then, I mean, the, literally yeah. it's just like a rocket ship that just continues to fuel up and, and can keep, you know, cruising fast. Absolutely. Wow. A lot of growth, Ryan. <laughs> a lot of growth for you guys and for your for you yourself. You've been out in LA for how long now? Uh five years. Five years. Yeah. 
any vision of maybe going back to Connecticut at some point, or do you see yourself still? Do you enjoy being out here? Like, what's your status? I, I at? love LA. Is where I definitely want to be for the foreseeable future. I can't, especially in Southern California long-term. I just, I love the weather here. (laughs) And LA, like the community we have here is incredible. Like it's just the startup scenes, amazing. Yeah. Just so many inspiring people around, which is again, going back to like redefining success and like it's community driven for me right now. Um, and I just, I don't see a stronger like community in the space we operate in than anywhere than here. Mm. Do you feel like the, when you started to put more time and effort into like the building, the community, was it a struggle at first? Was it something that you just weren't putting any attention to? So it wasn't there. Like for me, for instance, like I was even just telling you before we started this podcast, that's been a heavy thing for me in the last even like two, three months of like building community, going to parties where I don't know anybody like that shit is actually intimidating. I'm somebody that's very confident, but it can be very intimidating because you're like, yo, I don't know anybody here. And it's one thing when you're out with friends and you could just like, you know, you're just having casual conversations. Like, all right, I'll see you guys tomorrow. But when you're meeting people for the first time, you actually have to put like 150% energy into like showing them interest, like actively listening, you know, trying to really like be present and, and have a good conversation. So was it, do you feel like uh, all you had to do was kind of flip it change the lens and be like, oh, there's actually all this amazingness happening around me? Or did you have to start really putting in a lot of effort to build that community? I think like the beautiful part of it is like once I started searching, I found a lot of people that were searching for the same exact thing. Mm. And so there's just kind of instant connection where some people, very different stories, different backgrounds, all that, but they're, they they wanted to be hanging around like other entrepreneurs, startup people, or just even really just like-minded people. Uh, so it just seemed like everyone was kind of just coming together and excited to like be around more like-minded people. Mm. Yeah. I definitely feel that out here, especially like in the last like two, two, two and a half years. It's, I feel like it's just, everyone's like connected in some way out here at this point. (laughs) Yeah. How often do you go home? Uh, I mean, pre COVID I was going home like three to four times a year. I love how we're like pre COVID. Like that's, I haven't been home. I haven't been home since the holidays though, which is crazy. Uh, like Christmas time. Christmas. Wow. Do you have any plans coming up? Um, I think, I don't think I'm going to go back until Christmas time this year, which is full year. Yeah. I mean, I talk to my parents all the time, but, uh, I just very nervous. My parents are just in their mid sixties, which is, uh, it's hard and like i am around people i take it seriously but still i know it's well it's it's yeah it's it's just weird it's a weird time right now i think we're starting to see people kind of get back to living life but still within reason and not uh you know like wear your mask and but it's weird because you're you know even i was at the beach this weekend and there's people that yeah like trying to be respectful totally to people that are truly at risk but uh it's hard but yeah then my sister is having like another kid so it's it just she, like she's it's in not, quincy now i think right massachusetts is she yeah, living she in mass just got a place uh that my parents are living in also uh no longer in quincy okay it's, you used uh, to live in quincy used to oh, yeah okay, that's okay. right exactly. so I was, shoot no no as of like this week, she's not in Quincy. So oh, okay. you're spot on. All right, I was spot, spot, on, on. spot on. I was I was close. <laughs> I, I I was pumped to know that there was some Massachusetts in you, but yeah. literally, <laughs> clearly not anymore. Yeah. Um, damn Christmas time though, huh? Yeah, it's a bummer. Yeah. Well, I'm, when when you fly back, where do you fly into Bradley? 
Um, Hartford? I think I'm flying in. They're picking me up at Boston. Oh, uh, Logan? Yeah. Well, my parents sold our house in Connecticut. So I actually have no roots anymore in Connecticut, which is a whole Ooh, other thing. Yeah. How does that feel? When it's home, a bummer. Like when the hometown, like, is like, yeah, the house no, is I'm gone. Like, okay, I'm going to go in? stay with, like, my friend's parents or something. I don't know. Damn. <laughs> so I want to hit up all the, the old stomping grounds and restaurants. I know. And that's that. so weird. Yeah, it's the bummer. I tease my parents sometimes. Like, why don't you guys just move to California? Like, I know you complain. We don't get to see each other a lot. Like, just come move out here. Like, this is the, my mom loves the beach. My father just re- recently retired. I'm like, come out here. But then I'm, I'm like, man, they move out here. I got no house in my hometown no more. I literally have to get a hotel if I go exactly. back. Exactly, it'd be Which weird. Is not the same. Yeah, it'd be weird. Um, yeah, that's crazy. It's crazy. We're we're getting freaking old, Ryan. Is there um, is there any specific areas in your life you're trying to put more effort into into right now? Areas that you want to work on more? Um, I think it's a constant balance of just like fighting for balance. Mm. So, uh, been like very conscious of my health really the past like couple years so i'm like very making sure i'm like incredibly active and eating healthy mm. um so that's that's a huge area that i'm constantly working on especially because i like with quarantine you're just not going to as many places and stuff so just making sure just super super active despite everything yeah especially you you have a long commute to work from exactly. the third floor to the second yeah. floor of this freaking building a lot of stairs <laughs> though <laughs> feels like it go a lot of Dude, places totally <laughs> a lot of stairs here I, I will give you that yeah. but uh that's interesting to hear from me because i would now of course this is outside looking in i see you doing these 50 mile bike rides out to malibu <laughs> i see you out running all the time so I just assume, oh, this is somebody that clearly has been focused on his health for, you know, I don't know how long, but, uh, I mean, but it's a fight every day, you know, like I, I wake up five fifty-five every morning and every single morning I don't want to get out of bed mm-hmm. and every single morning I don't want to like lace up my shoes and go for a run. But man, when you're, you, I mean, you know how it is, you feel amazing and accomplished every single time you actually do it totally i always tell people it's not the start that i love it's that feeling when i get back not because it's over but that feeling of like i pushed myself to get through this even though i didn't want to do it that discipline is like the best feeling in the world and i feel like it's it's like the jump start to the day almost absolutely how, how, when you, when you have those moments that when you're not feeling like, ah, fuck, I don't want to get out of bed. Is there like, which, is there like a, a secret for you to get your ass out of bed? Do you just like, I don't know what, like what inside more, you get I you? just, uh, I'm really hard on myself mm-hmm. and I just know how I'm going to feel later in the day that I'm just never, I'm the entire, until I go to bed, I'm just not going to be able to like forgive myself for not getting out of bed. Mm-hmm. And so that's. Cause like I committed like this, this is what I'm doing today. Totally. And if I don't do it, I'm just gonna be like, right. Why didn't you do that? And then just it pisses my, you off for the rest it, of the day. Yeah, Cause exactly. you're like, I didn't do it. Should have done it. It sets the tone for the rest of the day. Totally. You just remember too now thinking about it since the last podcast we did, you did, was it just a year ago? The triathlon in LA? Yeah. The Malibu one. That's right about a year. So ago. what inspired you to do that? Uh, triathlon. What, what's the mileage for everything? I did Olympic distance, so it was like two mile swim, 26 or 28 on a bike, and then a 10K, which is like 6.2 or 6.5 miles. It was an Olympic style triathlon. Triathlon, Does that mean it's hard? It's Olympic distance. So it's not a sprint, but it's not a like half Ironman or anything like that. Got you. How was that? Uh, Incredibly challenging. Yeah. I 
my, one of my goals for last year was to do like some sort of like physical challenge. And so that's kind of what did it. And, uh, there are a lot of like underlying things that made me also want to do it. Mm. Uh, I had like a huge passion for road biking, uh, about like five years ago or six years ago even. And I was doing it like, that was like my exercise. I was doing it every single day. Uh, but then I got hit by a car. Really? And so I got, it, it wasn't, I did like a year of PT and I was like, I was totally fine. But there was just like a mental block that made me, it wasn't like, oh, I'm scared to ride a bike. It was just like, I just don't want to. Like, it's the, not even crossing my mind as like, this is something I'm going to go out and do. Um, so tra- training for that got me back. Like, I found my love for it again. Wow. Uh, just got like way more, I'm super comfortable on the roads now and all that. What was the context of the accident? A uh, guy just turned into, I, I would do a, uh, I'd bike up to Malibu, um, like lunch hours when there's not like as much traffic or super early. Um, and a guy just, he turned in, he turned without looking and it was like 10 feet in front of me and he just stopped cause he didn't want to mess up his fender and he just stopped in the bike lane and I'm clipped in going like, I don't know, 15 to 17 oh, miles an hour and God. it just slam into his car and I already had a torn labor in my shoulder and my shoulder just popped. Oh my God. Uh, <laughs> Dude, that's horrible. That is not, and I, it makes sense that you're smart enough to go, I'm going to do this during lunchtime because it's not as much traffic. But yeah. that drive, literally, like I was just telling you, I drove out to Malibu last weekend. Those roads, I'm nervous driving in a car. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know how a bicyclist is making on some of this road because it is tight. Yeah. I mean, I only now, like I'm comfortable again, but I'm only going to Malibu if I'm waking up at like five in the morning or something when there's just actually no cars on the road. Then it's actually peaceful. Yeah. Then it's, exactly. then it's fucking Ryan Westberg yeah. road. I'm cruising through. Yeah, exactly. So definitely uh, I'm not, not doing that anymore. That's an incredible challenge though, to go out there and actually like tell yourself that or going into the year that I want to, you know, do something physical and, and then to actually show up and do yeah, something and like that. That swim was just hell. <laughs> do you have any other physical interests like uh, like a marathon, half marathon, anything anything like um, that? Not, I mean, this year I'm just, I wanted to bike, uh, bike 500 miles and then uh, run 250. I'm actually almost done with both of those. So Free. I'm happy. <laughs> Out there getting in them yeah. miles, baby. Because <laughs> I want to have like a phys- some sort of physical goal every year, so. That's good. I tell I tell myself that one day I want to run the Boston Marathon. I just don't know when that's going to be. My father did it, um, I think, the year before I was born. So part of me wants to go out and try to beat his time or just to literally just to check it off and say I did it one time. Uh, I just know there's a lot of commitment into training for something like that. And Yeah, marathons are no joke. Yeah, <laughs> especially, well, especially where Boston's at. You have to qualify, You have to right? qualify, but the good thing is about Boston is – I don't know if this is true for other marathons. You can, if you do it for a charity, you can raise money, which qualifies you, which is like the incentive. So oh. if you if you run, if you raise for a charity, they might say, okay, you have to raise twenty five k for this charity. So you didn't qualify, but you raised money, and you're then you're probably the last. The I'm sure the charity is probably like the last group that gets to go out, which is fine. You still are able to get a number and actually run the actual race, but uh. I think I know somebody that I went to college with that did it for a charity. So he raised X amount of money. And then Love that. once he was able to, it's a, it's a great idea. It's you like, got this. Do it. Yeah, I know. I know. Do it. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> I just got the training part is the part is the full commitment that right now I just. I see you out there every morning though. You're pushing Get miles. It, 
getting in my four, dude. <laughs> my big four miles today or yesterday. I got five in. Woo! But <laughs> full marathon, man. That's a commitment for sure. That is a big time commitment. Um, I love this topic. What I'm about to ask you about. I've been really diving in on this one for the last couple of guests. Is uh, the LA dating scene? <laughs> Talk to me about in general what your experience has been like with LA dating. Because I feel like out, it can be the most intimidating for a lot of people out here because there's just so many different pockets and different types of people. Uh, what's, what's the Ryan Westberg status? Uh, <laughs> this won't come out for probably a month, so yeah, yeah, give yeah. you some perspective. Um, I mean, I was coming out of like a long-term relationship about a year ago. Uh, How long so is long-term? We were like on and off for like two and a half, three years. That's a yeah. long time. Um, so I've dived back into it and it's interesting. I mean, it depends like what you're looking for also. Mm. I think it's more fun when you're just not stressing out about it and kind of just let, seeing what happens. Um, but I have, I've fun with it cause you just get to meet a lot of people. Um, yeah. <laughs> big, big app guy. Bumble, uh, yeah, Tinder. I'm, on, I'm on the apps. Yeah. Hinge. What's, what's, what's the best one you think? Uh, I think hinge is the best. Hinge is the best Hinge, one. Yeah. Just fucking shooting shots in those <laughs> yeah. questions, responding to photos. Yeah. I mean, it's hard, uh, especially during quarantine, like meet, just meeting new people. Totally not fun, but yeah, uh, you gotta, put I, I'm, I'm not intimidated by the LA dating scene. Though. I like I that. Think it's, uh, you gotta it's go. Fun. I mean, there are so many just like fascinating people in the city from all walks of life. It's so diverse with industries and just like types of people. Totally. Uh, so I, I, I enjoy that side of things. Yeah. I think it's one of those things you just have to be aggressive and you have to be willing to throw yourself out there and not care if you get shot down and, uh, just got to keep taking those shots. And at some Absolutely. point something's going to connect, but yeah, I haven't found the perfect fit. Yet, yeah, no, 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 <laughs> yeah. It definitely takes time to find the perfect fit, but the, uh, the apps can be intimidating. I've tried it. Not really successful. I'm, I'm just, I'm not, I'm not giving my hopes up on the apps, but I'm so much more of a people's person. Like I need to be in an environment where there's people I don't know. And I feel like I thrive better, but also the problem is with COVID, I'm not even able to get to these opportunities. So which then feels like, all right, I got one other option, which is I got to stick to these dating apps. Yeah. I'm, I'm split. Because obviously meeting in person, there's something like special about that, but also like you can save a lot of time with apps and kind of like vetting the type of person and you you can try to figure out if someone's like a little bit more aligned with you just through chatting a little bit before totally. investing into like meeting up for hours and all that. Well, I think that's the, 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 the good thing is that you can, instead of waste, you know, I don't want to say waste your time, yeah. but it does take time, money, and energy to even feel if something's the right fit. So at least this is just taking really time and you can you can cross off a lot of things yeah. and understand is this worth pursuing? Is this uh Yeah, of course you never know until you like meet in person, but it yeah. can be a f- more efficient. Love at first sight for Ryan Westberg, you know <laughs> what I mean? Um any we, we pretty much covered everything. I, I just uh yeah, I, I, man, it's 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 crazy to see where you are today and where you were two years ago because you're really truthfully like a different person i feel like not only career-wise but feel like just everything every bucket of your life seems to be in a better position than probably where we were two years ago i mean absolutely i feel really again fortunate uh, for the position i'm in and our team's in and all that and, and just personally i feel like i'm in like such a better headspace overall because i feel 
great about again the people i'm surrounded with and what what i work on every day and kind of the direction and fighting for balance and mm. um making sure i'm active and my routine is like in check and all that yeah i feel uh I feel pretty pretty good about the direction of life right now. That's so great. Feel, Is there any specific things that you do to keep your headspace clear? Because I feel like that can be sometimes the most untalked about but important thing to just anybody's well-being. Um, yeah, my morning routine is super important to me. Uh, we went into that a little bit. Um, and that goes into not looking at my phone for like, at least the first 30 minutes I'm awake and mm-hmm. I don't even sleep with my phone in the room anymore. Really? You got yeah. rid of it? Yeah. I was uh, actually having, uh, I was having for the first time ever, I never had issues sleeping, but, uh, I was waking up like in pools of sweat for, it was wild and, uh, changed out all my sheets and like would put the air down to like 66, <laughs> like <laughs> the Arctic Freaking, in here. <laughs> like an icicle, but, yeah, dude. I was like, what's going on? And, uh, what it, had to have come down to it's like either there's something like serious which i don't think it is or it's just like a lot of stress induced uh just like brain waves going on and stuff so i want, want to make sure i'm like limiting my screen time before i'm going to bed and then i think my phone just always just kind of gives me a little bit of anxiety so just having that outside the room i got like a normal alarm clock make sure i wake up and then i read and uh i mean i've been doing this now like a probably 45 days or two months and like the that sleeping issue has kind of gone away really yeah or just from, much just from, more limited just from that type of a switch yeah i mean it took time but yeah. uh yeah i feel feel better about it got and the og alarm clock yeah <laughs> reminds me of like freaking middle school dude i had Absolutely. to hit that thing off but yeah and then another thing is just uh taking time to just dis- like fully disconnect um, so I've just kind of made it like essentially tr- like a non-negotiable that once a quarter I'm going somewhere and there's just no phone, no computer, no email, uh, and just taking that time to like kind of reset and, uh, whether I feel like I need it or not, like, you kind of always need it. Mm. Um, so prioritizing that at least once a quarter. Yeah. I think you need space to think. And that's something that I really grew to value with taking the job of liquid IV was actually being put into a position that allowed me to have the space and kind of like I was talking to you about before where I kind of went off the grid of kind of creating and doing podcasts for pretty much 10 months but I needed that space to think about what does my creative passions look like moving forward now with this new incredible opportunity but had I not given my space to not stop cre- it's similar like either putting the phone down putting the laptop away or um, stepping away from the work because we always think that we have to be doing the work in order to make progress and if we're not making if we're not actually doing the work and making the progress we're not moving forward but I have seen some of the biggest leaps in growth in my life by actually stopping assessing how everything's going on in my life and then like repivoting if needed but I think the the balance and creating space between whatever it is that you do is so crucial because it allows you to come back refreshed, more energized. You see everything from a different lens. Um, I just think it's super important. But when, when you're in it, I feel like a lot of people go through that burnout and that shit just gets old. And it's just it's an endless cycle of you're not making as much progress as you could be if you created that space. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And now that this is kind of like my second like act my second venture yeah. uh 
I'm super cognizant of burnout because I've burnt out so many times that I, I know like the importance of everything we were just, you were just talking about and I was just talking about. So yeah. Just making sure it's a priority. Yeah. Yeah. That, it's one chat. I think outside looking in, like you were saying before, people are probably like questioning, like why would Ryan want to leave Serengeti? Like that's, he gets to travel the world. He gets to do this. He gets to do that. But I think, and it's very clear after this conversation today, it has worked out completely in the right for the right reasons and that you were able to learn and have an incredible riot with Serengeti and now you're able to take everything that you've learned and incorporate into this next incredible opportunity and it's just setting up for warehouses across the globe and you know <laughs> all the ama- other amazing things that I'm sure are going to be coming in the in the coming years yeah, and months absolutely what um what's something that as we wrap up this is something that I've been doing towards the every, end of every podcast is um something actionable a challenge for people that listen to the podcast today what's something that they, they can do after this podcast that you think would put them one step or one percent better um after listening to this podcast i think a lot of times people listen to shows and then they get frozen they get inspired and they don't know what to do next so regardless if they're an entrepreneur they they are in health they love me they do music what is something that somebody can do today that will you think help them in any way um, well, something that had a huge impact on my life was even if it's working and it feels good, like make sure it's the right decision, mm. um, whether that's career or relationship or anything like that. I think it's, those are kind of the harder conversations to have when things are good, mm. um, and you're heading in a direction, but make sure that's the direction you want to go. So stop, assess if this is like the right thing. Yeah, even if some, even if something's working, cause if- you always sometimes you're forced to have that conversation because something like went wrong totally but i think you should have that conversation also even if things are good yeah constantly assessing where you're going and if everything's going well ryan westberg it has been an absolute pleasure and i appreciate you taking the time this sunday and letting me come into this beautiful place (laughs) and uh and chop it up with you but uh i'm excited to see what else you guys have happening behind the scenes and uh appreciate you taking the time today my man Always a pleasure. Great Thank beard, you, by the way. I have to I have to <laughs> say, great beard. I should have intro that in the podcast, but I didn't. Um, if you guys and gals enjoyed this podcast, you're are you at Ryan Westberg on IG? Yes. Ladies and gentlemen, if you enjoy this podcast, please screenshot this episode, post it to your Instagram story, tag at Ryan Westberg on IG, and tag me at Bob A B O three B's four A's and a Y. Let the world know that you just turned in to this podcast because it's the greatest podcast in the world. The world just doesn't know yet and share it out and spread the word because that's how we build this thing from the ground up organically. Thank you guys and gals so much for tuning in. Talk to you guys soon enough. See ya.